welcome to the What The Heck podcast, a show that looks at mysteries and the unexplained. I'm your host, Glenn. Every week, I look at something unexplained, telling a story or describing it, then look at the theories surrounding it. I won't give you any answers, because I don't know them myself. I'll just give you what you need to decide for yourself. Research is done as academically as possible, and references will be given after the stories. The episode this week is a history episode. Today, we're looking at the origins of the song, The House of the Rising Sun. The House of the Rising Sun became popular due to the 1964 release from The Animals. If you haven't listened to it, go and do that now and then come back so you know what I'm talking about this week. The intro of this song is instantly recognisable from its circular A minor chord pattern. But the song itself doesn't come from the minds of the animals. The song comes from before then. It's often believed that the song comes from the early 20th century, but that may not be the case. To really look at the history, we need to go back to the 16th century. Many people who have looked into the origins of the song say that it resembles a folk song from then called The Unfortunate Rake. The oldest version of this song tells the tale of a man who has syphilis. Some sources say that the song originates from France, citing the use of the sunburst insignia that was used during Louis XIV's reign. The first time the lyrics of this song were published was in 1925, when Robert Winslow Gordon published them in the Adventure magazine. The first time the House of the Rising Sun was mentioned was in 1821. The Rising Sun Hotel in New Orleans had run an advertisement in the Louisiana Gazette. After that, the song appeared in several forms. The first known version of the song was called Rising Sun Blues and was recorded in 1933. This version was recorded by Clarence Ashley and Gwen Foster in an Appalachian region. Featuring a guitar playing bluegrass and a violin accompaniment, it's considered a folklore treasure. The Callahan brothers recorded a song called Rounder's Luck in 1934 and in 1937, musicologist Alan Lomax recorded the Rising Sun Blues again. Roscoe Holcomb also recorded it as House in New Orleans at some point, and Roy Acuff recorded the song in 1938 as The Rising Sun. In 1941, a version was released by Woody Guthrie, and in 1942, Josh White released another, Libby Holman also released a version in 1942. Holman and White later revisited the song in 1950. Josh White is also credited with adding extra lyrics to the song, potentially learned from someone in North Carolina in the 1920s. Led Belly actually recorded two versions of the song. In 1944, they released In New Orleans, 
1948, they released The House of the Rising Sun. The latter of the two was later released again in Lead Belly's last sessions in 1953. In 1957, Glenn Yarbrough released a version of the song. Another version was released in 1958 by Pete Seeger. Andy Griffith recorded the song in 1959, and then Miriam McKeba released a version in 1960, as did Joan Baez. Nina Simone recorded the song twice, once in 1962, and then again in 1967. Tim Hardin also recorded the song in 1964, but it didn't release until 1967. Bob Dylan even released a version of the song in 1961. He learned the arrangement for this version from Dave Van Ronk, who had planned to release a version himself. He did release it later, but not until after Bob Dylan had released his version. However, the most famous version of this song, and the one that probably comes to mind when someone says The House of the Rising Sun, was released by The Animals in 1964. Eric Burgeon, vocalist of the band, said that he had heard the song in a club in Newcastle, England. That version was sung by Johnny Handel. The Animals took the song and chose to use it on tour so that they would sound distinctive from other bands. They first used it whilst on tour with Chuck Berry and used it as their closing number. The song got a huge reaction from the crowds and that managed to convince their producer, Mickey Most, that it could be a potential hit. Between stops on their tour, they went through a recording studio on Kingsway in London so that they could record it. On May 18th, 1964, the Animals recorded the song in a single take. Hilton Valentine, the original guitarist for the band, took the chord sequence from Bob Dylan's version, the Van Ronk arrangement, and played it as an arpeggio instead, giving the song its signature opening melody. As recorded, the song is four and a half minutes long. In modern times, that doesn't sound too long, but in 1964, that was seen as far too long for a song at the time. Mickey Most said that everything was just in the right place. It took 15 minutes to record in total, and so he refused to take too much credit for the production. He had been skeptical of the song to begin with, but after hearing the recording, he declared it a single at its full length and released it. In the US, the song was originally edited down to 2 minutes 58, but was re-released later at the original length. The song wasn't featured on any of the band's British albums, but was reissued as a single in 1972 and 1982. It was an instant hit in the UK and the US, and it said that Bob Dylan upon hearing this version for the first time, stopped to listen to it. He's said to have jumped out of his car and banged on the bonnet or the hood of the car and the experience inspired him to move to electric music. Dave Van Ronk said that like Bob Dylan, 
the animals had based their version on his arrangement. The song was described as the first folk rock hit and was seen as revolutionary, changing the face of modern music forever. It's now seen as a classic of British rock. It ranked 122 on the Rolling Stone magazine's 500 songs that shaped rock and roll and received a Grammy Hall of Fame award in 1999. Five years after The Animals, Frigid Peak released a psychedelic version of the song, becoming an international hit in 1970. It's said that this version of the song was an impromptu recording when they had some spare time in the recording studio. In 1980, the song appeared again, but this time from someone wholly unexpected, Dolly Parton. Prior to the release of the Animals version, it was believed that the song was about a woman. Dolly Parton returned to those lyrics, making it more blunt and adding extra lyrics. The song is often re-recorded for gritty shows these days, and New Orleans is sometimes changed to something else. I've heard a version that changed the lyrics to Sin City instead, but it's usually New Orleans. We already know that New Orleans was added later as part of an advertisement for a hotel of the same name in the city. So what exactly is the House of the Rising Sun? And where is it? The House of the Rising Sun has been a popular song since the 1960s, even though it was recorded much earlier than that. The location of the house has changed several times, and nobody knows what the house is even supposed to be. People have thrown theories into the ring as to what it might be, and the where often comes with it. Eric Burden visits New Orleans regularly, and says that he has been invited to all sorts of places that are purported to be the House of the Rising Sun. He says that he's been invited to women's prisons, drug dealers' houses, insane asylums, men's prisons, and even private parties thrown by people who just wanted him him to appear there. During the time that the song was predominantly told, as a story from a female perspective, it was widely believed to have been a woman's prison, or possibly a brothel. It's unknown which prison exactly it references, and based on the age of the song itself, it could be any prison in the UK, as well as New Orleans. The idea that the house is a brothel transfers across to the male perspective as well. The song is seen as a song about a place of vice, darkness, foreboding and addiction. Another place that is possible in the male perspective is a casino. It could also have been a bar. There's also the possibility that the song is actually a metaphor. The house may not be a real place, but the actual vice, darkness, foreboding and addiction I mentioned. In this way, New Orleans is just as metaphorical and is meant to mean something else, possibly even a mental state. 
But that theory is unsubstantiated and comes from a quote from Polyphonic. The fact that the song may have evolved from a ballad about a man with syphilis is also worth talking about. During the 16th century, it was a very real fear. The disease was stigmatised at the time, believed to be payment for the affected sins. At the time, penicillin hadn't been discovered as medication, and so the remedies used often killed the victims faster, if they were even treated at all. By the 17th century, science had advanced, and the British physician Thomas Sydenham said that doctors shouldn't be concerned about the disease. With the thought that such a disease could affect those who had done things that were seen as sins. It doesn't take too much to transfer that stigma and turn it into a lament for a poorly lived life. Over time, that stigma would be able to shift to something that becomes stigmatised later. During the late 19th and early 20th centuries, it would shift to focus on women who had lived life poorly, and then would shift back to men in the latter half of the century. Whatever you'd like to believe about the House of the Rising Sun's nature or whereabouts, it has become an iconic piece of music. It's one of my favourite songs, at least. It could be a warning, or it could be nonsense, but I don't think we'll ever really know. The story from this episode came from the Wikipedia page about the song, an American blues scene article called A Brief History of the House of the Rising Sun, a Medium article called Where Did the House of the Rising Sun Rise Up From, a Galaxy Music Notes article called The Story Behind the Folk and Rock Song, The House of the Rising Sun, and an Open Culture article called What is the House of the Rising Sun? an introduction to the origins of the classic song. The theories from this episode come from the previous articles and an Everyday Health article called Syphilis, the painful history of an odd bug. References for the episodes and links to studies will be posted on social media for you to have a look at. Social media links are available using the link in the episode description. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and I'm looking into posting short pieces of episodes on TikTok. I have a Patreon but I'm still deciding what to post on it this season. There's a £3 tier if you want to support me anyway. The link to the Patreon is also on the link tree and as before you're welcome to pledge more than £3 a month and I'll find something extra special for the people that do. My email address is also in the episode description if you want to send me spooky stories, unexplained events or even mysteries you want me to look at. If I get enough, I'll set up some listener episodes to read them. Please don't hesitate to email me if you have any corrections or issues with things that I've said. Once I've seen the email, I'll make sure to correct myself. This week's Creature Feature will be out on Saturday. And next week's episode will be out on Wednesday, October 17th. So hold on until then.